Section 27 of Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jonathan Drury. Celebrated Travels and Travelers, Volume 1. Exploration of the World by Jules Verne. Second Part, Chapter 1, Part 2C. After suppressing some attempts at mutiny amongst the soldiers, in which those who had come with Narvaez were the most to blame, Cortes again marched forwards, and, with the help of the Tlaxcalans, first attacked the people of Tepeaca and of other neighboring provinces, a measure which had the advantage of exercising anew his own troops in war, and of training his allies. While this was going on, two brigantines bringing ammunition and reinforcements fell into the hands of Cortes. These ships had been sent to Narvaez by Velasquez, in ignorance of his misadventures. At this time, also, some Spaniards sent by Francis de Garay, governor of Jamaica, joined the army. In consequence of these reinforcements, the troops with Cortes, after he had rid himself of several partisans of Narvaez with whom he was dissatisfied, amounted to five hundred infantry, of whom eighty carried muskets, and forty horse soldiers. With this army, and with one thousand Tlaxcalans, Cortes set out once more for Mexico on the 28th of December, 1520, six months after he had been forced to abandon the city. This campaign had for its theatre countries already described, and must therefore be passed over somewhat rapidly here, notwithstanding the interest attaching to it. To enter fully into the history of the conquest of Mexico would not be in accordance with the primary object of this work. After the death of Montezuma, his brother Cuetlavaca was raised to the throne, and he adopted all the measures of precaution compatible with Aztec strategic science. But he died of the smallpox the sad gift of the spaniards to the new world at the very moment when his brilliant qualities of foresight and bravery were the most needed by his country his successor was guatimosin the nephew of montezuma a man distinguished by his talents and courage cortez had no sooner entered the mexican territory than fighting began he speedily captured the town of tezcuco which was situated at twenty miles distance upon the edge of the great central lake that lake upon whose waters the spaniards were to see an imposing flotilla floating three months later at this time a fresh conspiracy which had for its object the assassination of cortez and his principal officers was discovered and the chief culprit executed at this moment fate seemed in every way to smile upon cortez he had just received the news of the arrival of fresh reinforcements at vera cruz and the greater part of the towns under the dominion of guatimosin had submitted to the force of his arms the actual siege of mexico began in the month of may fifteen twenty one and continued with alternate success and reverse until the day when the brigantines were launched upon the water of the lake the mexicans did not hesitate to attack them from four to five thousand canoes each bearing two men covered the lake and advanced to the assault of the spanish vessels which carried in all nearly three hundred men these nine brigantines were provided with cannon and soon dispersed or sunk the enemy's fleet who thenceforth left them in undisputed possession of the water but this success and certain other advantages gained by cortez had no very marked consequences and the siege dragged slowly on until the general made up his mind to capture the town by force unfortunately the officer who was charged with protecting the line of retreat by the causeways while the spaniards were making their way into the town abandoned his post thinking it unworthy of his valour and went to join in the combat guatimozin was informed of the fault which had been committed and at once took advantage of it his troops attacked the spaniards on all sides with such fury that numbers of them were killed in a short time while sixty-two of the soldiers fell alive into the hands of the mexicans a fate which cortez who was severely wounded in the thigh narrowly escaped sharing during the night following the great temple of the war-god was illuminated in sign of triumph and the spaniards listened in profound sadness to the beating of the great drum from the position they occupied they could witness the end of the prisoners their unfortunate countrymen whose breasts were open and their hearts torn out and whose dead bodies were hurled down the steps 
they were then torn in pieces by the aztecs who quarrelled over the pieces with the object of using them for a horrible festival this terrible defeat caused the siege to go on slowly until the day came when three parts of the city having been taken or destroyed guatemuzin was obliged by his counsellors to quit mexico and to set out for the mainland where he reckoned upon organizing his resistance but the boat which carried him being seized he was made prisoner in his captivity he was destined to display much greater dignity and strength of character than his uncle montezuma had done from this time all resistance ceased and cortez might take possession of the half-destroyed capital after a heroic resistance in which one hundred and twenty thousand mexicans according to some accounts but two hundred and forty thousand according to others had perished after a siege which had lasted not less than seventy days mexico and with the city all the rest of the empire succumbed less indeed to the blows dealt against it by the spaniards than to the long-standing hatred and the revolts of the subjugated people and to the jealousy of the neighboring states fated soon to regret the yoke which they had so deliberately shaken off contempt and rage soon succeeded amongst the spaniards to the intoxication of success the immense riches upon which they had reckoned either had no existence or they had been thrown into the lake cortez found it impossible to calm the malcontents and was obliged to allow the emperor and his principal minister to be put to torture some historians and notably gomara report that whilst the spaniards were stirring the fire which burnt below the gridiron upon which the two victims were extended the minister turned his head towards his master and apparently begged him to speak in order to put an end to their tortures but that guadimosin reproved this single moment of weakness by these words and i am i assisting at some pleasure or am i in the bath an answer which has been poetically changed into and i do i lie upon roses the historians of the conquest of mexico have usually stopped short at the taking of mexico but it remains for us to speak of some other expeditions undertaken by cortez with different aims but which resulted in casting quite a new light upon some portions of central america besides we cannot leave this hero who played so large a part in the history of the new world and in the development of its civilization without giving some details of the end of his life with the fall of the capital was involved properly speaking that of the mexican empire if there was still some resistance as notably there was in the province of oaxaca it was of an isolated character and a few detachments of troops sufficed to reduce the submission to the last remaining opponents of the spaniards terrified as the mexicans were by the punishments which had been dealt out to the people of panuco who had revolted at the same time ambassadors were sent by the people of distant countries of the empire to convince themselves of the reality of that wonderful event the taking of mexico to behold the ruins of the abhorred town and to tender their submission to the conquerors cortez was at length confirmed in the position he held after incidents which would take too long to relate and which caused him to say it has been harder for me to fight against my countrymen than against the aztecs it now remained to him to organize the conquered country and he began by establishing the seat of government in mexico which he rebuilt he attracted spaniards to the city by granting them concessions of land and the indians by allowing them at first to remain under the authority of their native chiefs although he speedily reduced them all except the tlascalans to the condition of slaves by the vicious system of repartimientos in vogue in the spanish colonies but if it is justifiable to reproach cortez with having held cheaply to the political rights of the indians it must be conceded that he manifested the most laudable solicitude for their spiritual well-being to further this object he brought over some franciscans who by their zeal and charity in a short time gained the veneration of the natives and in a space of twenty years brought about the conversion of the whole population at the same time cortez sent some troops into the state of michoacan who penetrated as far as the pacific ocean and as they returned visited some of the rich provinces situated in the north cortez found settlements in all the parts of the country which appeared to him advantageous at Zacatula upon the shores of the Pacific, at Coliman in Michoacan, at Santa Sebastian near Tampico, at Medellin near Veracruz, etc. 
immediately after the pacification of the country cortes entrusted cristobal de olid with the command of a considerable force in order to establish a colony in honduras and at the same time olid was to explore the southern coast of that province and to seek for a strait which should form a communication between the atlantic and pacific oceans but carried away by the pride of command olid had no sooner reached his destination than he declared himself independent whereupon cortes immediately dispatched one of his relations to arrest the culprit and set out himself accompanied by guatimosin at the head of one hundred horsemen and fifty foot soldiers on the twelfth of october fifteen twenty four after crossing the provinces of Coatzacoalco, tabasco and yucatan and enduring all kinds of privations in the course of a most trying march over marshy and shifting ground and across a perfect ocean of undulating forests the detachment was approaching the province of aculan when cortes was told of the existence of a plot formed as was said by guatimosin and the principal indian chiefs its aim was to seize the first opportunity to massacre both officers and soldiers after which the march to honduras was to be continued the settlements were to be destroyed and then there was to be a return to mexico where during a general rising there would doubtless be small difficulty experienced in getting rid of the invaders guatimosin in vain protested his innocence in which there is every reason to believe he was hung as well as several of the aztec nobles upon the branches of a ceiba tree which shaded the road bernal diaz del castillo says the execution of guatimosin was very unjust and we were all agreed in condemning it but prescott says if cortes had consulted his own interest and his renown he should have spared him for he was the living trophy of his victory as a man keeps gold in the lining of his coat at length the spaniards reached aculan a flourishing town where they refreshed themselves after their journey in excellent quarters when they set out again it was in the direction of the lake of peten a, a part of the country where the population was easily converted to christianity we shall not dwell upon the sufferings and misery which tried the expedition in these sparsely peopled countries until it arrived at san gil de buenavista upon the golfo dulce where cortes after receiving the news of the execution of olid and the re-establishment of the central authority embarked upon his return to mexico at this time he entrusted to alvarado the command of three hundred infantry one hundred and sixty cavalry and four cannon with a body of indian auxiliaries with which he set out for the south of mexico to conquer guatemala he reduced to submission the provinces of zacatulan tehuantepec soconusco utlatlan and laid the foundations of the town of guatemala la vieja when some time afterward he made a voyage to spain he was named by charles v governor of the countries which he had conquered three years had not expired after the conquest before a territory twelve hundred miles in length upon the seaboard of the atlantic and fifteen hundred miles upon that of the pacific had submitted to the castilian crown and with but few exceptions was in a state of perfect tranquillity the return of cortes to mexico from the useless expedition to honduras which had wasted so much time and caused almost as great sufferings to the spaniards as the conquest of mexico had taken place but a few days when he received the news that he was temporarily replaced by another commander and was invited to repair to spain to exculpate himself from certain charges he was not in any haste to comply with this order hoping that it might be revoked but his indefatigable calumniators and his implacable enemies both in spain and mexico preferred accusations against him after such a manner that he found himself obliged to go and make his defence to state his wrongs and boldly to claim the approval of his conduct cortes therefore started accompanied by his friend sandoval as well as by tapia and under several aztec chiefs amongst whom was a son of montezuma he disembarked at palos in may fifteen twenty eight at the same place where columbus had landed thirty-five years before and he was welcomed with the same enthusiasm and rejoicings as the discoverer of america had been here cortes met with pizarro then at the outset of his career who was come to solicit the support of the spanish government cortes afterwards set out for toledo where the court then was 
The mere announcement of his return had produced a complete change in public opinion. His unexpected arrival at once contradicted the idea that he harbored any projects of revolt and independence. Charles V saw that public feeling would be outraged at the thought of punishing a man who had added its greatest gem to the crown of Castile, and so the journey of Cortes became one continual triumph in the midst of crowds of people greater than had ever been known before. The houses and streets of the large towns and of the villages, says Prescott, were filled with spectators impatient to contemplate the hero whose single arm might be said, in some sort, to have conquered an entire empire for Spain, and who, to borrow the language of an old historian, marched in all the pomp and glory, not of a great vassal, but of an independent monarch. Charles V, after having granted several audiences to Cortes, and bestowed upon him those particular marks of favor which are termed important by courtiers, deigned to accept from him the empire which he had conquered for him, and the magnificent presents which he brought. But he considered that he had fully recompensed him when he had given Cortes the title of Marquis de Valle de Oaxaca, and the post of Captain-General of New Spain, without, however, restoring him to the civil government, a power which had been formally delegated to him by the Junta of Veracruz. Cortes, after his marriage with a niece of the Duke de Bejar, who belonged to one of the first families in Spain, accompanied the emperor, who was on his way to Italy to the port of embarkation. But the general, soon becoming tired of the frivolities of the court, so little in accordance with the active habits of his past life, set out again for Mexico in 1530, and landed at Villarica. After his arrival he underwent some annoyance caused by the Audienza, which had exercised the power in his absence, and which had instituted lawsuits against him, and he also found himself in conflict with the new civil junta on the subject of military affairs. The Marquis de la Valle withdrew himself to Cuernavaca, where he had immense estates, and busied himself with agriculture. He was the means of introducing the sugar-cane and the mulberry to Mexico. He also encouraged the cultivation of hemp and flax, and the breeding, on a large scale, of merino sheep. But this peaceable life without adventures could not long satisfy the enterprising spirit of Cortes. In 1532 and 1533, he equipped two squadrons destined to make voyages of a discovery in the northwest of the Pacific. The latter expedition reached the southern extremity of the peninsula of California without attaining the object sought, namely the discovery of a strait uniting Pacific with the Atlantic. Cortes himself met with no better success in 1536 in the Vermilion Sea, Gulf of California. Three years later, a concluding expedition, of which Cortes gave the command to Uloa, penetrated to the farthest extremity of the gulf, and then, sailing along the exterior side of peninsula, reached the twenty-ninth degree of north latitude. From thence the chief of the expedition sent back one of his ships to Cortes, while the rest proceeded northwards, but from that time nothing more is heard of them. Such was the unhappy result of the expedition of Cortes, which, while they did not bring him a single ducat, cost him not less than three hundred thousand gold castellanos but they at least had the result of making known the coast of the pacific ocean from the bay of panama as far as colorado the tour of the california peninsula was made and it was thus discovered that what had been imagined to be an island was in reality a part of the continent the whole of the vermilion sea or sea of cortez as the spaniards justly named it was carefully explored and it was ascertained that instead of having an outlet as was supposed to the north it was in reality only a gulf deeply hollowed into the continent Cortes had not been able to fit out these expeditions without coming into antagonism with the viceroy Don Antonio de Mendoza, whom the emperor had sent to Mexico, an appointment which had wounded the feelings of the Marquis de la Valle. Wearied with these continual annoyances, and indignant at finding his prerogative as captain-general, if not absolutely ignored, at least perpetually questioned, Cortes left Mexico, and once more set out for Spain. But this journey was not destined at all to resemble the first. Grown old, disgusted with life, and betrayed by fortune, the conquistador had no longer anything to expect from government. He had not to wait long before receiving proof of this. 
one day he pressed through the crowd which surrounded the emperor's coach and mounted upon the step of the door charles v pretended not to recognize him and asked who this man was cortez answered proudly it is the man who has given you more states than your father left you towns by this time public interest was diverted from mexico which had not yielded as much as had been expected from it and was centred upon the marvellous riches of peru cortez was however received with honour by the supreme council of the indies and permitted to state his complaints before it but the debates upon the subject were endlessly drawn out and he could obtain no redress in fifteen forty one against the disastrous expedition of charles v against algiers cortez who was serving in it as a volunteer but whose counsels had not been listened to had the misfortune to lose three great carved emeralds jewels which would have sufficed for the ransom of an empire upon his return he renewed his solicitations but with the same want of success his grief over this injustice and these repeated disappointments was so deep that his health suffered severely he died far from the scene of his exploits on the tenth of november fifteen forty seven at castilleja de la cuesta at the very moment when he was making preparations to return to america he was a true knight-errant says prescott of all that glorious troop of adventurers which the spain of the sixteenth century sent forth to a career of discovery and conquest there was not one more deeply imbued with the spirit of romantic enterprise than fernando cortez strife was his delight and he loved to attempt an enterprise by its most difficult side this passion for the romantic might have reduced the conqueror of mexico to the part of a common adventurer but cortez was certainly a profound politician and a great captain if one is justified in giving this name to a man who accomplished great actions by his own unassisted genius there is no other example in history of so great an enterprise having been carried to a successful end with such inadequate means it may be said with truth that cortez conquered mexico with his own resources alone his influence over the minds of his soldiers was the natural result of their confidence in his ability but it must be attributed also to his popular manners which rendered him eminently fit to lead a band of adventurers when he had attained to a higher rank if cortez displayed more of pomp his veterans at least continued on the same terms of intimacy with him as before in finishing this portrait of the conquistador we shall quote the upright and voracious bernal diaz with whose sentiments we fully agree he preferred his name of cortez to all the titles by which he might be addressed and he had good reasons for it for the name of cortez is as famous in our days as that of caesar among the romans or hannibal amongst the carthaginians the old chronicler ends by a touch which vividly depicts the religious spirit of the sixteenth century perhaps he was destined to receive his reward only in a better world and i fully believe it to be so for he was an honest knight very sincere in his devotions to the virgin to the apostle saint peter and to all the saints end of second part chapter one part two c recording by jonathan drury los angeles california